0: Hello and welcome to BTA Charity Voices podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this series three of the podcast, BTA is continuing its commitment to the charity sector by building on its existing bank of knowledge. Conversations in the coming months will focus on insights around innovation and collaboration from across the sector. Fortnightly, we will bring together charity colleagues to chat about how we're showing up in our organisations today and how we're innovating and collaborating to meet our ambitions. As always, we'll endeavour to shine a light on topics that are relevant to us all. Together with our charity partners, BTA continues to strive to ensure our sector has the tools and skills necessary to thrive. Hello and welcome back to BTA Charity Voices podcast with me, Ann Hughes, and this week I am talking to Alex of H. and Jilly of the Scottish SPCA about developing community resilience through partnership. Alex, Jelly, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Great to be here. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and Alex, I think we've decided that you're going to kick us off with how this partnership came to be and how it is, I suppose, building that resilience within the community and then we can get into a good conversation about it.
1: Yeah, thanks Anne. So I suppose we're, you know, all of us that are listening to listening to this podcast are probably really aware of the the kind of mental health crisis that we're kind of facing at the moment across across the UK. And the, the Centre for Mental health, health estimated that up to 10 million people would need support for mental health problems off the back of the pandemic and we've kind of had that and then we've also then um, you know we've had 18 months of a cost of living crisis as well so it's a phenomenally challenging time for everybody we are seeing the number of mental health kind of presentations increasing kind of week by week um, and accessing services is, is really really challenging we know that there's lots of ways to kind of support individuals well-being welfare and mental health Um, But we also know that one of the one of the best ways to do that is through having a pet and engaging with engaging with an animal and the positive impact that can have on an individual's mental health. So my kind of self uh, and Jilly from Scottish SPCA have been having conversations for the last kind of six to 12 months or so about how we how we try and bring um, these kind of key areas together to support the kind of broader um, mental health of individuals. And then also kind of how we kind of build the support and build, build community resilience through this partnership as well.
0: And I think, you know, it's fascinating. and It makes sense. And obviously, speaking from Sam H, that very much makes sense that that's going to work well for people with mental health issues. Dilly, tell me about how this benefits the Scottish SPCA.
2: Yeah, so the Scottish SPCA, again, like I was saying, I think demand for any sort of services where you're trying to support community is is very high at the moment. And that's no different with the Scottish SPCA. Um, So we've had over 226,000 phone calls to our animal helpline this year. That's a 12% increase for us. And... What's even more sad is that we've had an 8% increase in calls from people looking to give up their pet because they can't cope financially, they can't access veterinary care and so on. But it's heartbreaking because a lot of these people, a pet's a very important part of their families, but they're not seeing any other options of how to remain um, having that pet in their household and I think what we've been seeing is we've got a number of inspectors who are going out into people's homes trying to offer support and this is where we've noticed an increase in in mental health so that person's actually needing mental health support So they're struggling to look after what they need to do for themselves, let alone the animal that's in their care. And the last thing you want to do then is actually remove the animal from that property. So what else can we do in that situation? And having um, and this is where, again, Alex and myself's conversations have led, you know, Alex teams are out and about as well. So so how can we bring that together? How can our inspectors pick up the phone and say, you know what? I'm with somebody just now. I think they need mental health support. Can Sam H assist us? And likewise, if one of Alex's colleagues is out and about and um, they see an animal in a property or an animal with somebody that they're trying to support, is the animal's needs getting met? How do they get that advice? So we really think that this partnership is so invaluable at the moment to try and keep people and pets together as all last we want to do is have more animals coming into our care. We want to try and support what's driving that need for our services.
0: Totally. And it's interesting what you're saying about how your animal welfare officers are now having to look for mental health issues. And that's really that's not what their role ever was, but it's a role that's sort of just been put upon them. What sort of, a, and I mean, I know that you are the Director of Innovation and um, Strategic Relations, but what sort of a innovation does that mean you're having to make within your staff team, within their training, within everything that you do as an organisation?
2: Yeah, we are definitely, as you say, we're, we're the animal welfare specialists. Human welfare is very different for us. Yeah. So we are having to reach out to partners like um, Sam H and say, right, teach us more. Like, what do we need to be looking for when we're engaging with someone, even amongst our workforce? You know, if people are needing mental health support, and, and Sam H have been brilliant because it means been providing training for our workforce as well. Just trying to Talking about mental health, making it more acceptable, it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to ask yeah. for help um, and I think it's instilling that culturally within our own organisation as well as doing that out in the community as well. Um, so yes, I would say that when we've looked at the demand for our services, that's changed so much over the last few years and we are having to constantly upskill on the human side because we've always historically been very focused on the animal welfare side.
0: Yeah, and equally, Alex, how does that therefore start to play in to what you guys are doing? You know, it's fascinating because even though we've known we were recording this for a couple of weeks now, and I've been reading your stuff and looking at what you do, I had never really thought about that crossover, which seems very obvious now that you chat about it. Has that been, Alex, something where you've just found partnerships that you probably never expected to find, therefore?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, just building on on, on Julie's point around that kind of upskilling our, of our workforce, and I think this is what we're probably lots of third sector organisations are, 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 you know, they, of course they're specialists, but they almost need to become generalists as well. You know, there's all these other kind of cross-cutting interdependent issues that we're, you know, you know that, we're all, that we're all facing and quite often you know whether it be SAMH whether it be Scottish SPCA you know we are almost the kind of trusted you know that kind of trusted individual that is at, yeah. with either within the home or within the community that someone is reaching out to reaching out for help to and for so um so yeah there's definitely um and you know we've we've been able to kind of support Gillian team with some initial training and you know that's absolutely going to be kind of reciprocated and kind of upskilling him, kind of my frontline teams um, around some of the kind of animal welfare and, and I suppose where where some of the supports are available and um, around the kind of local the local kind of pet food banks um, alongside the kind of the kind of human um, the kind of human food banks that we all know and are unfortunately are so well used at the moment. So yes, yeah, so I, I think this we're always and um, both of our both of our organisations are always trying to kind of find those how do we get support to the individuals that need it more effectively, more efficiently because. Within the, all the system at the moment, there are, there's probably too many gatekeepers for accessing different levels of support. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's just because there are some real challenges from a financial um, and from a system perspective. But th- there's no doubt there is huge need out there. And I think this partnership, and, and obviously we're at the very, very start of our journey, I guess we're just hoping that we can get the information into the hands of the people that, that need it the most, that are working with kind of large, large numbers of our community, um, in Scotland and actually can they then get the information that they need or the support that they need more effectively and more efficiently. Um, and I know that through, particularly through the, the kind of helpline that, that Julie mentioned at the start of the podcast, you know, huge numbers of, a huge increase in the number of, of kind of mental health kind of presentations or or kind of um, calls as part of that. Um, and I know through um, through my kind of workforce as well that on a, on a fairly regular basis, they're going into the home and I guess we want to make sure where there is an animal in the home, actually that's very much part of the the kind of recovery plan or the person-centred plan and what how can we make that part of one of the outcomes for the individual to kind of build their build their capacity build their independence and responsibility so so yeah it's it's been a really exciting quite unique partnership so far and I think it's only going to develop further
0: and I think what strikes me as in, I've been about charities i suppose a long time but that working in partnership with other organizations would have been something that people as a fundraiser perhaps i would have been a bit scared of in case they get my money right so there's my honesty on the table Mm -hmm. i suppose what you must be finding is that this actually changes the strategic direction of your organizations because you're learning so much from each other let's start with you jelly does it has it changed how you're approaching your work because it's not just about the
2: animals anymore yeah, I think it definitely has because we, I mean, we're in the position we can't keep taking animals in, we can't build more centres just to, that's not going to solve the issue. Um, no. And I think definitely when you speak to some of our inspectors, you know, traditionally we might go out to a household, we might just speak to somebody, give advice, and then we walk away. We're now having to do repeat visits to different houses and definitely. The types of calls that we get, they're so much more complicated than they ever used to be because of whether it's mental health or housing challenges or whatever it is. It's it's very um, multi multifaceted. It's very complex now. So we can't be an expert in everything. And and as Alex says, you're having to become a bit of a generalist. But again, to do the job well you need to have those trusted partners. And I think for us as an organisation, we do work with different partners and it's great because if you've got someone that you trust, you know that you've gone to that house, you've had that conversation, you've actually signposted someone to a different service and you know that that organisation is actually going to do what they say they're going to do and they're going to go and follow up and do everything that is needed so that we don't need to revisit and we can keep the check between the two organisations and I think that's so important, but we've definitely had to adapt our approach because the more that we can be out in communities and support on the doorstep, the better. Then it just means that we really are protecting all the other organizations, as you say. And yeah, there might be opportunities, you know, where when you're talking about fundraising and then funding, well, actually, is there a project where we apply to do? do that quantification together basically rather than doing it in isolation because actually you can see the benefits that would come out of doing that and i think as a third sector everyone's under huge pressure just now because society needs have changed and we've seen a greater population that maybe wouldn't have struggled in the past but are struggling now due to the cost of living
1: and i think from my perspective on that question and you know does it has it changed our strategic direction i don't think so i think it's just it's a bit, it's about complementing what we what we're already trying yeah. to do and you know for from a mental health perspective sam h you know, we are you know trying to deliver on the mantra of ask once get help fast and you know if we can get you know the animal welfare cost of living information into someone's hands and and the, actually um you know that they're, they're presenting with you know, maybe anxiety or depression or, or low mood And actually, we're recognising that there's there's other kind of contributing factors to that. Actually, if we can have those partnerships, you know, with Scottish SPCA being one, um, then actually we're getting the information and the right information into their hands quicker so that actually, um, hopefully, we're then reducing the, as Julie said, we're kind of reducing the impact on all the organisations. Exactly. um, You know, we're not going to be, um, we can't do everything. We know that. Um, But actually, if we can have some, you know, three or four really, really core relationships within local communities, then um, actually, um, yeah, uh, we, we're hopeful and we know that it will be, it will make a big, big impact.
0: Yeah, and I think what's so interesting, you know, you referred to people going from being specialists to more generalists, but we still need the specialists, don't we? And interestingly, a, a few podcasts back, I was speaking to Martin from Oscar and perhaps not in the podcast, but generally in conversations that I've had with him, you know, we've got an awful lot of charities in Scotland. I sometimes worry that charities are duplicating each other's work an awful lot. But what you're actually shown as a perfect example is: we don't need to like this is We don't need to get good at people's mental health. We need to have a partner who's good at people's mental health. And I sometimes think that is just like it's it's a wisdom that we all just need to get a wee hold on, don't we? Because we actually all need to get better at just partnering with somebody that can do it better. You know, and I say that as a freelancer, there's things that I get somebody else to do. My website, my account, because I'm no good at that. I'm better just leave it in my time to somebody else. And so is that something that's just becoming very real, I suppose, for both of your organisations now?
1: So, yeah, I would say more and more. And I think there's more pressure on our time on, and demands on our time than probably ever there ever has been before. You know, we can't work with everyone all the time. Um, yeah and of course we've got our strategic direction, and then you've got the just the day to day operations of what you have to yeah. deliver from contracts and other things. but as I said, I think it's it's maybe about trying to identify those kind of whether we partner partners locally or or nationally and I think one of the other attractive things about the partnership that we have with Scottish SPCA is that you've got two really well well known Scottish organizations. You know, probably similar sizes and actually with similar reach in relation to your services and our profile working across all 32 local authority areas. So um, I think it's about trying to find those those kind of alignments and partnerships and, you know, recognizing that, as as we've talked about, the kind of benefit that each can bring to that. We'd love to be working with everyone all the time, but you know, sometimes that's just not possible.
0: Uh-huh. But I think there's something interesting about how it even came about. And I don't want it to sound like a dating show, but who made the first move? You know, because that's interesting because somebody always has to make the first move. And therefore, that is an encouragement to other charities listening that you have to make a move so that you can build a partnership. How did it come about?
2: So I reached out to a colleague of Alex um a while back now um, and it was just because again I was looking at I'm in this role to try and find solutions to what's driving demand for our services and driving animals in our care and mental health kept cropping up and, and kept cropping up and I was out speaking to inspectors they're so like you know we can't tell is it mental health like what should we be looking for and obviously I was familiar with Sam H but again as you kind of read more and it's definitely come about with all our conversations you know we've got so many common visions and, and common sort of alignment and it just made sense to say do you know what let's have the conversation and see where it goes and it's amazing because I mean we've talked about lots of things haven't we Alex even just about our, how we both work with young people and how we support young people in different ways you know again that that's maybe a bit further down the line but what else can we do in that space because that's the next generation how can we back to the the sort of the start being resilient we need a resilient community and. That resilience has been very much tested just now. So we're both striving to support the Scottish public. So, so what other things can we do and building that resilience with our younger audience? You know, what does that look like? So it just makes sense to, as I say, work together when we've both got a similar footprint. We are both very sort of passionate about what we're trying to achieve and our visions. And, and it just made the perfect sense to, to partner up.
0: Yeah. And did you get support on that, Alex, from your senior leadership team, from your board of trustees? Because that is like, if they were a wee bit like me, like, you know, as a fundraiser, like we're not letting anybody else in in our audience, then that could have been a challenge, that could have been a hurdle, because it, now listening to you two makes perfect sense why you are in partnership. Like, I doubt anybody can't see why it makes perfect sense. But initially, it maybe didn't. Was it a difficult sell for your board and your senior leadership team?
1: Not at all, not at all. And, um, you know, very early on, I think probably the last, um, you know, summer 22, I think it was, we actually, the first thing we did was think, well, actually, this, this feels like quite a good idea. Let's just get so myself, my chief exec and, and similarly on Jilly's side as well. I think we probably got about, you know, eight to nine kind of senior leaders across the organizations together and go, right, yep, this feels right. Actually, um, now over to Alex and Jilly to try and then think about how we formulate this and how we, you know how we deliver on, on on each of our strategies, without without kind of creating a whole mountain of of other things that we need to do. And um, I have to say, you know, I have to, you know, compliment Gilly. Gilly has absolutely been the driving force behind this partnership, um, right right from the outset. Um, and and again, we're now both looking for opportunities to to kind of think about well, where are the where are the kind of funding collaborations, um, and and really trying to be as as all organisations and, and charities are trying to do and trying to get better at. You know, using the evidence and the data to think about well, actually, this this makes sense, and that's on, and therefore it's going to have added value and and I suppose deliver on deliver on the ground. So you know, Jilly talked about the the data that was coming through the the kind of helpline, and we're 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 doing a kind of similar similar exercise, and then also thinking about which which communities do we mo- are most in need, and do we most need to support based on some of the data that that both organisations are, are are kind of working with. So. From our perspective, it, it, you know, it's quite a broad, you know, there's some really kind of broad plans that we have around engaging our workforce, upskilling our workforce. But there's also some really kind of targeted community projects that we're really keen to explore further.
0: Yeah. And I think, obviously, we know anecdotally and experientially that funders love collaboration. But what I'm wondering is what kind of outcomes can you do? Because your outcomes are going to be different. Different, aren't they and how you measure your outcomes are going to be quite different but then a funder's going to want to know what you're aspiring to how have you managed to set the outcomes that you're looking for and how is it going are you starting to reach any
2: milestones yet um, so I think for milestones yes um, we've we just at the very starting and again actually we've been looking at it's getting a handle of our data sets um, and how we capture that definitely from our perspective for outcomes you know it's looking at you know, are we supporting more people enabling animals to stay with people, basically? Um, Can we change that picture where people are not feeling they have to either sign the animal over into our care or we're actually having to remove that animal on welfare grounds because it's got to that state? So again, we'll be very much looking at that. Um, I think... What Alex and I have been very mindful of is we probably have about a million ideas of how amazing this partnership can be, but we also have to be realistic and take it step by step. And definitely our core focus over these coming months is get a good handle of the data, make sure that we've got really good signposting between the two Um, like our helpline and and Alex's information service, get our colleagues upskilled and then start looking and tracking those referrals between the two organizations. Do we see an increase in referrals from Sam H colleagues? Because they are now thinking, oh, actually there's an animal in the property. I remember. Learning about this, and I need to look at that. And likewise, are we seeing less repeat visits as an example to a property because actually the real driver of the animal welfare issue is mental health? So the mental health support's been put in place, which means then we shouldn't really need to be revisiting. So those are the types of things that we'd certainly be looking from our perspective. And Alex, I'll let you jump in from your yeah. side.
1: Yeah, and I think there's um, going back to our workforce. You know, that you know that's one of the main focal points for the next. You know, has been and will continue to be for the next two to three months. Again, there'll be some quite interesting data around the confidence of our workforce, around the, the kind of the, the partnership and actually the, the skills that they have learned through the kind of different the different kind of training and workshops that we're going to be providing to, to frontline staff. So I think that I think that's one of them. And as, as Julie said, it's whether at a kind of national level, I think our, our kind of our, our, our kind of two support lines are going to be absolutely critical to this kind of partnership. Um, but also when we get down to some of the more local delivery, we'll really be able to uh, kind of emphasise and, and actually start to report on impact, you know, positive impact on mental health or reduction in mental health problems, and then also you know ensuring that anim- animals can stay in the home as well. So as Jilly's mentioned, reducing the removal of animals from from homes is is a, is a key one as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting I think because the fact that you are such big organisations, such well recognised organisations, is Interesting that I was, at, I was in a conversation at PwC last week. It was actually about fundraising, sort of at this time, but we were talking about innovation. And one of, when you talk about innovation is always about the data, isn't it? And so many as a freelancer are working in different organizations. I'm yet to find somebody who's doing it really, really well. <laughs> it's probably the point I'm making. Some don't do it at all. So I suppose you're both very equipped for saving this data and using it in a meaningful way, because sometimes what I worry about when I see collaboration or partnership is that they're going to anecdotally be able to tell you it went well, but they're not going to be able to illustrate that. So do you think that you've got the right data in place and look, don't explain the data to us because I don't know that I'd understand but do you think you've got the data in the right place so that you can actually prove from point a to point b this was the difference that was made and therefore this could be replicated by us or by other organizations that are similar to us
2: yeah I think that to be honest again obviously for both of us we're constantly reporting on data to be honest and and that demands whether it's at our sort of board level but actually the wider piece we are both involved in public affairs for example so we get asked for this type of data quite a lot that's definitely something and as I say it's more that kind of tracking between the two systems now that we've got this partnership up and running I think also we certainly do a lot of research with academic institutions and evaluate new services and so on and again there's an evaluation piece that we have been talking about if we do something in a specific community what's the evaluation around that What's the user experience? Having engaged with our services, what does that actually mean? So having that type of evidence as well, has that changed the pathway that they were on because they have been kept with the animal and they've had the right support put in and so on? So I think it's a mixture of, yes, that proper data capture, but also the those who are tapping into the services that's been offered and and what's their experience and are we actually making that positive difference that we're striving to make?
1: And in some ways, lots of organizations were thinking, "Well, actually, can we reduce reliance on different services but actually, you know from my perspective, if I see a big jump in referrals to our information service, then for me that's a success because mm-hmm. actually that's individuals that are getting to getting to the right support, and actually there's an increase in help seeking and we know from anecdotally and from the you know the hundreds and thousands of people that certainly we speak to on a on a regular on a regular basis that actually they don't if, if they're not given that support in that direction they just don't get the support and actually they don't know where to go they don't know how to navigate that and if they do try and navigate it and quite often that is you know, going to their GP or going to primary care in some, some way, shape or form you know, we we know that there are the real delays in, in getting appointments, and you know, forty one percent of of engagement and appointments at GPs at the moment are related to, to mental health. So, yep. so again, if, if if I see an increase, and, and again, Julie, Julie might have a different view because there's other things that we want to reduce. And but yeah, for me, if I can, if we can see people, and particularly directly from Scottish SPCA, then I, I'll see that as a real positive.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that, Alex. I think if we if our inspectors have actually got designated signposting pathway then i would hope we would see an increase in in the referrals coming in and then likewise i would expect us to see an increase just from a even if it's advisory there's an animal this is what we're doing to support are we doing it right is there something else we need to think about so and that to us if it was it would be logged as an advice call it might mean that we don't have to go out but it may be just that again it's that shared communication and, and having the right conversations is so important um, and Alex, you're, you're right, like, we could advise in right, have you spoken to your GP or have you, have you done that, but you're putting that right lines back on that person, whereas actually, you need support, like Sam H be like, do you know what, actually, you could do this as and this because I know yeah. you maybe you can't get an appointment or what have you, but actually, we've got all of this on offer, and we can help you. And I think giving people the confidence that we're providing support by actually signposting to someone that we trust and I'm doing a follow-up saying, oh, have you had your chat with Sam H? Brilliant, that's great, it sounds like you're getting everything that you need. That's real assurance for us, because then we know yeah. we've done everything all around, what's best for the animal, what's best for the person.
0: So in this, in this circumstance, therefore, are you glad that you decided to go on that venture? You're glad, Jelly, that you decided to pick the phone up to Sam H, and Alex, you're glad you got back to her?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think we've had some brilliant conversations, Alex, haven't we? There's never enough hours in the day, I think, when you start building plans and things. But no, I think it's, I'm really excited about this partnership. I can see the huge things that we can achieve together um, and achieve so much more together than if we were trying to do it in isolation. And I think that's the key here. And as I say, together build that bit of resilience in communities so we can make a difference. And that's what we're all trying to do. Yeah. What about you, Alex?
1: Yeah, I think Julie summed it up perfectly, and I suppose I think both organisations we we want to. while our kind of current plans are probably short to medium term. I think we are we are just trying to think about well, these these could be the brilliant building blocks for something much long term. So, so yeah, so I think this uh, the next kind of twelve months are going to be really exciting.
0: Perfect. Well, good luck with the partnership. I Look forward to hearing more about it, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. No
2: thank you problem.
1: so much. Thank you. Thanks, Anna.
0: Thank you for joining us on BTA Charity Voices podcast. If you would like to know more about the work of BTA or indeed access more of our knowledge and expertise, you can find all the info you need at our website, net. Here you can also sign up for our newsletter, vacancy alerts, and webinars for professionals within the charity sector.